Hello and welcome to the Chime 30th Anniversary Podcast, where we are celebrating three decades of dedication to digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime. Each week until our fall forum, our 30th anniversary celebration in November in San Antonio, we're spending time with amazing digital health leaders who have volunteered to serve in vital roles in Chime, as well as amazing work in our industry. Today, we welcome the 2013 Chime board chair, George Hickman, or as to his friends, Buddy. Buddy's incredibly well-respected and a well-known leader in our industry. In fact, many of you already know him so well. Anything I say to introduce him would just be a waste of time. You already know him so well, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Buddy is our only two-time elected Chime board member. He's currently serving in his second term. And as I mentioned, the only person, whether just, you know, out of out of dedication or just wanted to be the first person to ever be elected to our board twice. That speaks volume to the respect he has in our industry and how well he's res- respected by so many. He's a 30-year industry veteran. He's an accomplished CIO, a leader in digital health. He's held three significant academic posts, former big four healthcare IT consulting partner, and now is the interim CIO at Harris Health in Houston, Texas. A longtime and valued member of Chime. He is a fellow. He is a lifetime member. He is an amazing part of our faculty for our boot camp and a person we call on for just about everything. He does have that disease, no-no-itis, which means if we get asked to do something, he's always going to step up and volunteer, including even serving as our Ed Foundation chair at one point. He's a huge friend of Chime and of our industry, but a dear friend of mine. Welcome to the program, buddy. Thanks so, thanks so much, Russ. I appreciate that uh, that introduction. It certainly is humbling. And, uh, you know, someday I'll get to introduce you on to the podium. <laughs> maybe, maybe. That's the one advantage of this job. I get to control the chair, at least pretend like I do. Hey, on that note, you know, we all have had our own journeys in our careers and our lives and that kind of stuff. And in particular, people have a very personal journey in Chime, uh, how they got involved, when they got involved, and why it's so important to them. And as I mentioned in your introduction, you are truly unique in the sense that you are the only person that's ever voluntarily been on the board twice. Um, And that's just, what's your journey? Why is your story? Why is this so important to you? Well, you know, in terms of how I even got involved, Russ, I'll, I'll, I'll look way back. Uh, I remember getting a call from John Glasser. I like to refer to John as a teenage brewmeister and our uh, Chime founding father. He was at the time the CIO at the Brigham uh, in Boston. And uh, and John simply told me over the telephone, hey, you know, we got a group of CIOs. We're talking about forming an association for CIOs so that we can have some of our own gatherings. Maybe we'll be doing some of that adjunct to the HIMSS AC and Maybe otherwise, what, what do you think? Would you like to join in? And, and honestly, Russ, I, you know, I was a very young CIO. Uh, that sounded like an opportunity I couldn't turn down. I was doing my darndest to learn everything I could. And to have a companion group like that, it was like, wow. Uh, so, you know, first of all, I have to say thanks to John for recruiting me at the outset and also for being the leader that pulled us all together. Uh, it was the idea of networking, of course, that uh, set the fuse for me. Well, as you think back at, at 
wow, these 30 years of board chairs and people doing what they're doing and, and, and serving in so many different capacities, you know, you, you are in a unique position. You know, it was, it was, you know, now almost 10 years ago that you were chair. Uh, you were on the board for at least three years before that. Now you've been involved for a couple of years during the craziest stuff that we could ever go through in our career with COVID and so many other issues in the world. I'd love to maybe reflect on a little bit of the differences you've seen during those periods of time, some maybe some of the kind of epiphic moments that you can recognize in comparing then and really today. First time around, well, in 2013, there was a lot of activity still about implementing what we might call EHRs 2.0, information exchange and interop. Uh, those things were still evolving. We were just engaging in ad advocacy in a bigger way. And, and I can remember mergers and acquisitions being a hot topic because of how it was bringing so many organizations together. And of course that meant bringing together uh, multiple CIOs, a lot of disparate systems and so on. I recall being at Spring Forum and asked to sit with a panel of some of our Uber healthcare CIOs. And one reporter asked a question as to where we believe the consolidation of the industry would eventually lead. My colleagues offered some thoughtful responses and all I could think to recap with was the idea that, hey, you know, there's likely only one to be one CIO in healthcare when this is all done. Look around, <laughs> who's it gonna be? <laughs> um, in the background, uh, I'd offered then that many, many Chime members did not know that the Chime team uh, worked for Chime uh, from a, a management association uh, and that Chime was buying that team as a service. Uh, several previous chairs had discussed and begun to position the idea of onboarding the Chime team. And, and frankly, Drex DeFord, who was uh, chair in front of me, and I shook hands and did a pinky swear that we began to work with the board on on doing just that, onboarding the Chime team inside the, into the inside of the IT organization. That included creating a president CEO role and Drexy asked me if I would run the search committee. Russ, that's what brought you on board. I remember the search committee members agreeing that you knocked your interviews, quote, out of the park, end quote. You, know, you and I and a few others, including our Chime team, know the challenges we had to work through to make Chime 2.0, that, that onboarding a reality. And it, and it was a bit daunting uh, along the way. I can remember some late night phone calls. <laughs> I'm thankful we had such uh, support around us with the board and others that were involved in doing that work and others that were ready to pick up and continue the work. You know, when a person joins the board, Russ, as you say, she or he never know what that might turn into as to the work that gets done. Uh, I thought some of that work was challenging. Who would have predicted that John Kravitz would have managed us to a pandemic uh, when he uh, agreed to take on the board role? Every year uh, I've worked in the industry, we, we've talked about change for us. The, the role of CIO is about change and that requires constant personal learning. The topics of today include various dimensions of digital health, movement to cloud, AI use cases, robotic process automation, IOMT, hospital at home, the disruption and blurring of traditional health industry ecosystem by introduction of many alternatives to those seeking health and wellness. And of course, in 
even I think just as daunting, if not more daunting task that's in front of us is that of leading our people through the stress and the concerns of things like the great resignation, our issues of talent retention, managing through a pandemic, leading our people through polarized global and domestic political concerns that spur social and economic consequence, the shooting of innocent people for senseless causes, and, uh, and a much necessary DEI agenda, finally. Our roles are not tech alone. In fact, sometimes not tech at all, although that's the way we're thought of as leaders. Our, our roles are about mission and people. And as I've watched us evolve, I find that the way that Chime is positioning itself with its people understands all those many other causes. Um, I also offer, you know, as, as we mature, Russ, you know, we come, we become to, you know, really understand the importance of what we leave behind. Those of us who feel we have found our voices have an obligation to help the next generation find theirs. That's critically important to our collective futures. Well, that really leads us into the next question, because one of the things I know you love, and I've been involved with it for so long, it's it's unbelievable, but... And that's our, our boot camp program where, where we help not just up and comers, but also people in the role to either rejuvenate their careers, kind of refocus them, or maybe brand new in their role. Now with over 3,500 graduates of that program, as a matter of fact, you look around the board uh, at all of our provider-based members, everybody was either a boot camp student and or boot camp faculty. Um, so it, it really is kind of a testament to the development that's there. I know you love this program. It's something that you just hold unbelievably dear. Maybe tell us a little bit about why it's so important to you, but and maybe just a, a, your your favorite memory from from that program. Mm, mm, great, great question. So, you know, when I think about boot camp, when I think about everything you're asking me about, I, my mind goes through so many memories and so many people. And I realize how, how many people for us we have, have to be thankful for, for all the things they've done. I immediately think about Tim Zoff and Keith Freidenberg, all the efforts that they and many of the other founders of the early educational series that led to boot camp, uh, the work that was done there that's brought this program to such an apogee. And I also can't go without saying thanks, thanks to uh, the constancy of, of faculty, because there are many faculty who give themselves year on year. And you know what? I watched how they change and evolve the things they do on the floor, the content and so on to the, to the matters of the time. It, it is a constant piece of work. People like Tim Stedheimer as well, Dr. Tim, uh, and all of the effort he puts into assuring content and quality, just a lot of people make it happen. My memories, gosh, uh, you know, there's so many. <laughs> My, the thing that stands out to me, first time teaching eight years ago, and I just say it again, in April this year, at the Air Mountain Healthcare uh, Innovation Center where we hosted a class, Tim being on the floor and opening with that story that he so often does, that brings us to those provoking questions. Who are you and why are you here? That story is so powerful and it moves me every time I hear it. 
Tim knows that because we've talked about it. Uh, having boot camp attendees come to you privately during a break or after a day session because they want to talk. They want to affirm something that you said that somehow made a difference in some matter or struggle they're having at work or sometimes personally. I mean, that's what makes it clear to me that the boot camp makes a difference in people's lives. As you know, we have often had our boot camp attendees make public affirmations and commitments to their classmates and faculty during their closing capstone. I mean, it's those moments that, that motivate me to go back and, and want to continue to give. The teaching gives back to me more than I could ever give. And as to other memories, the rest you know the saying, what happens at boot camp stays at boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is for sure. Well, one of the things we're doing during these 30th anniversary uh, podcasts and, and really getting ready for our big celebration in the fall is trying to focus on some words and some concepts that really embody Chime and embody the principles and the behaviors of, of our members and our volunteers and everything we hold true. And then we also try to make sure we link that word up with, with who we're doing the podcast with to the best of our ability. And, and for you, we picked the word networking. Um, and networking in particular, uh, for you and how you've conducted yourself, you're great. You, you've mentioned people from 30 years ago. You've mentioned people that you probably just met in a boot camp just a few months ago. And so, why is networking such an important concept for us as leaders, but also in, in particular for you? Mm, big questions. Well, first of all, I'd like to say I have a grand appreciation for all that Chime does. Uh, you know, the educational programming continues to grow evolve. We, we have an online university now. Our keynotes, hot topics that we address, the new relationship with, with health, uh, the new uh, event Vive, our work in advocacy, uh, our work to address the opium crisis what we're doing with analytics, our member sharing, uh, the sunrise sessions, track sessions, every, everything is remarkable in terms of how it comes off. And I watch management and the board be relentless with the idea of making those things even better every time we do them. Now, you know, it's not a big confession for me to say that I attend Chime because of the people I've met over the years the friendship, our network. I'm drawn to Chime because of the sincere affection and care I have for so many people that I've come to know through this association. Given our years together, I know without doubt those, those feelings are shared by and between so many members, member friends. We're not a, a typical networking event or networking organization. Russ, we, we're special. <laughs> we're truly special. Chime's a group of leaders that are called to make the best of our industry through selfless work. And the sharing for all our sakes is at the very core of what the best of the best of our members do all the time, inside Chime meetings, outside of Chime meetings. Now, you know, when I think about this, I think about 
our newer members, those that are onboarding and just coming to know us. And, um, you know, the advice I would give them as someone who has done this for a long time, give yourself to the organization and to your colleagues, take opportunity to meet as many people as you can and grow your personal professional network. Take the time to give it back by doing the work of Chime so others also benefit from what you know. Who knows, you might find yourself sharing your thoughts on a podcast with Russ 2.0 <laughs> to distant future. <laughs> well, we'll probably be at 4.0 by then, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, as we mentioned earlier, you know, think about it, a decade ago, we were, we were just starting that journey of Chime 2.0, and now we're well into a couple of years of our 3.0, and we saw the, we're starting to see some of the aftermath uh, impact of COVID, maybe even the law of unintended consequences of EMRs. So it's, it's kind of this weird world of change and unknown all at the same time. You know, what What do you think are some of the things we're going to start seeing? You mentioned a bunch of them and kind of in, in, in little snippets there, but what when you see the current impact of where we are in healthcare and technology, what, what do you think we're going to start seeing really impact and hopefully improve the delivery of care? Well, I, I've not forgotten at all that the concern of COVID as a disease is still present, and all of us must continue to be personally and professionally vigilant uh, and also assure our organizations are prepared for more responses necessary. That said, you know, I, I probably read three to five articles a day regarding our challenges with talent retention and the varying views on finding balance with remote hybrid on-site workforce as we think about how the world has changed coming out of this pandemic. You know, those two matters are, are significant. I mean, we need to find ways to express our principles, I believe, first on, on those matters around workforce retention and, and balance. Uh, and then, you know, be lockstep, of course, with our organization's values and principles on that so that we don't break something or become self-culture. And then we have to uh, constantly challenge ourselves, be grounded in principle, uh, flexible in tactics, and so on. The, the effects of social isolation due to the pandemic, uh, you know, and I have to qualify my comments by offering, of course, I'm not a, a psychosocial scientist, so I rely on those opinions. But that matter continues to affect the workforce and maybe better said our people. Social isolation and global and domestic polarization drive stress. And uh, that's further spurred another pandemic in our country that we need to do more about. And that's the behavioral health needs that we see all about us in the public and even in our workforce uh, and amongst our people. And, uh, you know, it's my hope that as we look at other digital health targets, and, and I believe this is happening now, frankly, quite, quite honestly, it is happening right now. We're going to see more and more uh, understandings and alternatives as to how to create circumstances of intervention and better wellness through the use of combined technologies with processing people to address the needs of our folks who are really, really challenged with anxiety, depression, 
and things that come from that stress that I just described. You know, Russ, you know, these environmental concerns, you know, they, they, they are in a sense societal crises and they affect the people we work with every day. So, you know, we have to consider how we help those that we work with the Pine Center, allow for more dialogue in the workplace and be present understanding. And you saw that I trailed probably not so much into a speculation about technologies as much as where the signs at the time are affecting us and maybe where there might be some solutions. Clearly, there's some work there for us to do in China as well, just as we've taken on other big agendas. Uh, this could be another one for us to think through and, and find its place amongst our leaders, because I believe in my heart that it's very, very much needed. Well, there's no doubt that healthcare is a human business, and you in particular have served as a role model for so many boot camp graduates and people you've worked with and people that have looked up at you as the leader boss that you need to be in organizations. And But this is, this is and I think I've said it this way on just about every one of these podcasts, this is my favorite question, and that is, you know, there were there were footsteps you got to walk in and there were shoulders of giants that you stood upon to get where you are today and in your career. And we always want to make sure we have the opportunity to tell them thanks. Not all of them are with us and we don't want to wait to eulogize until they've passed. But I'd love to hear from you some people that maybe you want to say that special thanks to that helped you get and support you to, to the place you are today. This, this one might be one of those questions where you have to set the clock like they do at the Academy Awards. <laughs> off. I mean, how, you know, how long do I get to answer a question like that, Russ? You, you might remember, Russ, I was asked uh, by Keith through uh, the program committee a few years back to do a closing keynote for one of our early AHICS conferences. Yep. I decided to go down just that path of, of acknowledging those in my life who have shaped me as a person, as a leader. I was given 50 minutes. <laughs> You're not going to give me 50 minutes today. No. <laughs> I had to be. Uh, I remember my draft presentation, trying to be brief. I had 64 slides of people and the things that I had learned from them uh, as to how they influenced me. You know, So I remember going through this painstaking, cutting that number down about a week before uh, and struggling with time management. I cut it again the night before. I cut it again that morning before the presentation. And I had it down to like 16 people so I could meet the 50 minute mark. And I, and I was able, I think, to really describe how those 16 people had, had remarkable influence on me. And, and I'll just say this to anybody that's listening, it's really worth the time to go take that reflection for yourself, write about it, think about those individuals, and maybe then take the time to share that back. So here goes Russ, fast, okay? All right. Mom, dad, siblings, our extended family as I was growing up because my dad had a huge family. Uh, my first church family and all those church families that followed. My high school English teacher, Diane Rutherford, for a lot of reasons. My college and undergrad master's device, advisors, uh, clearly mark on me, Drs. Wayne Claycomb, uh, Eldon DePorter, John Snyder, a gentleman I worked for, Colonel Ira T. Sliger, a decorated soldier World War One, Korea, Vietnam, an advisor after that. Uh, I worked for him through college. I learned so much from, from Colonel. Joe McDonald, my first real healthcare executive boss back in Knoxville, Tennessee, who 
recently retired from CHS in Buffalo. Joe Denisio, a partner I worked for at uh, PwC and at, and at Allegheny, AHERF. Betsy Hersher, Betsy Hersher, who is the mother of all healthcare CIOs, whether they know it or not, and her wonderful team of incredible women executive recruiters uh, that worked for her for all those years. Uh, they were they were blessings. A gentleman named Brother Fred Kerner, another named Father Dan Tenardo, several partners at Ernst, um, and I get myself trouble naming only a few of them, but I'm going to uh, Jay Tool. Uh, many people know these these names: Jay Tool, Lewis Red, John Knackle, Lyden Newman, uh, Jim Barba the CEO Emeritus of Albany Med, who brought me to Albany and has been a remarkable mentor and now a remarkable friend uh, as I uh, watched his retirement and we stay in touch. Gary Kokum, similarly, the COO uh, at Albany Med and several other executives there, I might add. A countless host of healthcare CIOs, and this is where I'm starting, I can't start naming names, because my goodness, Russ, um, you, you know, like I know, when, you, when you've been out here doing this for 30 years, the talent and quality of people around you is, is, is boundless. Many of our industry leaders, several, several publishers and editors uh, that I've been blessed to know that, that care about our trade and our profession. Uh, the people who worked for me over three decades to make the best things happen for our organizations. And again, too many to name. Our, our board colleagues, I was thinking about this this morning, Russ, when you go on the board, people might not realize when you go on the board, you, you get to know two classes in front of you. And as you move through the board process, by the time you're at your third year, you get to know the classes that onboarded behind you. So you have an exposure to a lot of leaders, several foundation firm executives. And if you're fortunate to be the chair, you stay on as the foundation chair, that's even more people you get to know. And then if you're like my experience, three years as education foundation chair, it never stops giving. And uh, well, Russ, you have a saying for that one too, once a board member, always a board member. Uh, but those exposures are again, just remarkable. Russ, you, your your bride Kathy, my kids, my my children Gray and Hope, my beautiful wife Melanie, and our blended family. And uh, I know I have to stop. The challenge with the question is I've named so many people who have shaped me and influenced my life, inspired me to be a, be a better person. They taught me something. I, I know every day I'm truly blessed, and I'm embarrassed to name only a few. It's clear to me, Russ. <laughs> it, it continues to take more than a village to prove me to be that which I was intended to be. And I'm sure that will continue. Well, thank you for sharing that, buddy. Well, one last question for you. As we look forward, uh, maybe even at the taillights way out in front of us of uh, what eventually might be Chime 4.0 out there in the future. You know, what's that one next really big thing you can't wait to see happen in healthcare? Well, you know, it could be something simplistic. It could be something really complex, like we're all replaced by robots or whatever the case may be. <laughs> I'd love to hear what your one great thing you just can't wait to see happen. I, I would say I'm really hopeful, truly. And you heard me say it already, that our industry will also turn focus 
on the behavioral health crisis. Uh, the things that are happening all around us are only spurring more and more and more concern there. Uh, whether it's you know those individuals that that are creating the polarization, maybe creating the challenges and the problems, and or all those situations they found them in where the circumstances and individuals that they were about also needed help. And then in the end, the consequential damages to people that we're seeing on the back end with all the things I've described, there's just a lot to be done to help people find the center right now. And I'm hopeful that uh, you know our industry will come up with new ways to address that. It hasn't been addressed historically as a fiscal matter. And so that means that it's gotta come as a matter of innovation and public health interest. And now saying that, you know, we're undoubtedly seeing a shift to more tech, digital health, alternative models to both wellness and care. The transformation of healthcare will be notable over our next decade. And I believe that so many elements that have been hyped up until now and for the last several years are showing real use cases. It's not so much the technology, but the use cases and the economics that those use cases can bring, you know, both care supporting and frankly, you and I know sometimes fiscally disrupting that will make change happen, make it real. The new models for care delivery, retail, detail, teledigital health, hospital at home, payer and provider blended enterprises. They have the ability to change markets while changing care and wellness delivery and the market is becoming global. So stay tuned. Well, buddy, unfortunately, our time is up. And foremost, I mean, right, the, the most important thing for you is to say thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your contributions to our industry. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, thank you for everything you mean to chime to our industry. And most important for me personally, all the, the friendship and support you provided me over decades. Thank you again for everything you do. Thank you, Russ. Thank you, all you Chime colleagues out there and everybody else who might be willing to take a listen in. Thanks for your time and uh, for all your giving. And to you, our listeners, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of our 30th anniversary podcast series. As always, you can visit us on Spotify or at chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all these amazing healthcare leader podcasts. For now, stay safe and God bless.